The Value Project Podcast, adding as much value as possible to inspire our listeners to achieve more out of life. Buckle up, it's about to get real. Hey guys, and welcome to The Value Project. I am James Rowdy. And I'm Nate Gresk. And together, this podcast is about sharing experiences, journeys, and providing as much value to our listeners as possible. Through this journey on The Value Project, we'll be sharing our raw, open, and honest journeys and experiences as individuals to hopefully inspire and help you all with your journeys and struggles. We'll be discussing a range of different topics, such as mental and physical health, mindset, relationships, routines, fatherhood, philosophy, business, pop culture, Web3, and crypto. Today's episode is episode number one, our very first episode, which we are extremely excited to be sharing with you all. We will be discussing our journeys, our friendship, how we both battled through and overcame anxiety, depression, and addiction with drugs and alcohol. So Nate, let's get into it. I think we rewind, we rewind back the clock to uh, 2017, South Croatia. Uh, we're both traveling Europe with a, with a bunch of friends. And uh, we we met on a boat, boat called uh, we well that we dubbed called Rave Croatia for very good reasons. A very very <laughs> good reason. So you know, uh, Nate and I have you know used to party quite a lot. You know, we used to get into the the drugs and alcohol quite a lot. Um, enjoy ourselves, and I think that week was probably one of the best weeks of our lives. It was, it was. You couldn't do that every week, but it definitely was one of the best weeks of our life. I remember getting on that boat and obviously we didn't know each other at this stage your first conversation to me because i was at the bar getting a drink uh first day and the very first thing i hear this voice from behind me and i turn around but you asked me or you didn't ask me you said that's a cool tat on your bro on your back bro i was like oh thanks and i turned around and it was you and that's how we actually first met do you remember that I don't remember that. I was probably <laughs> heavily intoxicated, but um, I do remember us meeting. I just remember that first day where, you know, we obviously met and then, and then we just got on it, you know, with, and we, we were really lucky. We had pretty much everyone on our boat was from Melbourne. Yeah. Um, how, how lucky were, yeah, uh, super and, lucky. So we, and then we had what, a couple of Yankees um, and then we had some people from Sydney and, and a couple of Kiwis, I think. Um, but yeah, we just got on it that first night with all the boys We did, and then the, we? the first stop that we made, everyone got off and went, you know, walkabouts and exploring. And then we just stayed on the boat listening to, you know, the Venga boys, S club seven, <laughs> smashing a lot of alcohol. Um, and then, yeah. And we just, we, we woke up having shots every day. Remember? Oh, actually <laughs> do you remember that first day we rang the bell? So on South Croatia, whoever hasn't been on South Croatia, mm. it's a sale around Croatia, pretty yep. self-explanatory for seven days around beautiful islands. But on every boat, they had this bell. And when you ring the bell, you got to buy a shot for, or a drink. Well, it's a shot. Yeah. It was a, a shot, shot for everyone on the you boat. You got to buy a shot for everyone on the boat. So that very first day, how many times did, I think we rang it like 15 times. So Fuck, you've got a good memory, mate. Yeah, I, I'm just <laughs> a pull, blur for I'm, me. I'm just pulling numbers out of my ass. Yeah. I'm just literally yeah, pulling numbers out of my ass, but I know it was a lot. And we were so fucked up that day. Like I even, I remember myself 
bringing pills onto the boat. I, don't, I forget what they were, but I remember getting most of the boat pretty fucked up on the first day. We went to Havar, Havar that, that's that right, island yeah. and that little tight club or outdoor club on the beach. And it was rocking. I remember being super fucked up. And yeah, the stories are literally endless. Do you remember, I won't name his name, but one of my friends yeah. was so fucked up. He actually snorted. Uh, sweat out of my belly button. Oh, Remember, yeah, you're sitting was... next to me. Like you, I, I've still got that picture. Oh, uh, dude, uh, I've got a, I've got a lot in the archive from that trip. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. And then there was there was another guy that got warnings for doing nangs. Yeah. On the boat, he was the nang king. But we went to, we actually went to a part of our sail was hideout festival, which is a festival in Croatia, mm. and. On Zurcher Beach Club. Yeah. That's yeah, right. Yeah, correct. So it was mid during midweek. But I've got another story after this that we'll we'll touch on because this was super funny that night. But yeah. yeah, when we went to Hideout Festival, one of the guys on our boats had a contact, a UK guy, I think it was over there. And the whole boat, and I'm talking about there's 40 people on our boat. We all put in an order for a shitload of drugs. That's right. A shitload of drugs. Well, it would have been worth a lot more here, but in, in Croatia, what what was it? It was about 8K worth. I think it was about 8 grand Australian worth. We we got a bunch of these European ecstasy pills and we, we got a lot of super cocaine. Pills, yeah. no, and, super googs. Yeah. Um, for, I'm sure our listeners would know what they are. <laughs> uh, if you don't, they're an ecstasy pill um, and they were quite, quite overwhelming. <laughs> what was it? Um, it was 250 milligrams oh, of MD I, in it? I just remember anyway. rolling in the deep like Adele, <laughs> you know, it was, it was full on. I um, love that reference. And, uh, you know, and then after we got, yeah, we got, we got a bunch of these and this was supposed to last us for the whole festival, but we all got a bit, um, way too excited and we ended up doing them all on the first night. And then we, we ended did. up at that beach club and I remember, um, our mate, Kept, went to the DJ, got some more or something. Those oh, that's Rolls right. Royces. That's right. And, we, and then, and then and we'll, we kept giving an encore to the DJ and we're the only ones left <laughs> in the club kicking on. Remember we're laying wow. down on the beach, like, and I remember when it kicked in and I hadn't done nangs before mm. and it was my first time. It literally sent me for six. Like if anyone's done them, I'm sure you know the experience. It's a super quick, like out of your head feeling for like 10 seconds mm. like you don't you lose all concept of of where you are where you are and i remember that and then it started raining that day and you were the only one dancing you were like tearing it up cutting right. shapes in you the were rain. cutting shapes in, in the fucking rain all by yourself but it was brilliant but the other story that i wanted to bring up from that that week remember we went to that club one night that phone party yes that, and we got the we got the pills again from the dj that's the dj guy dude Dude, that night... You would have been making that, a lot of money off us, man. I know, 100%. <laughs> but that that night was probably the best night of the whole I, of the I whole felt trip. like it just got better and better it as did. we went through the trip. And then it was, yeah, I remember, you know, coming to the end, you know, our mate Michael, who was a bit hungover and, and couldn't handle it. And he was, we went on this massive hike on the last day, which was a terrible idea. And we walked through these waterfalls and mate, he was, he was barely alive. It was probably the worst hangover I've ever seen. And the whole bus was pretty much dead. And then I was still kicking off. We were still kicking we on. Were. Um, we were. And I think it was that morning we were still going. We hadn't slept. We were outside. Remember we were out on that jetty trying to steal that car? <laughs> and then Mariana, our, our host for Sail Croatia came out. She's like, 
who's trying to steal the car? <laughs> we were just like joking around, obviously. Cause I got a warning from Mariana. Remember I did a blackout off the top of the boat? Oh, that's right. It was a love-hate a... relationship. I feel yeah. like she loved us at times and then hated us at, yeah. hated us at there was There was, every, like people stole that blob. Duck. That's there was right. wild scenes. I remember people were sleeping on that blob duck. Yeah. Having were... sex on the blob duck. That yes. duck saw a, a, a lot. The duck definitely saw a lot. But by the end of it, like we could go on and on. There's endless amount of stories from our time for one week. We like created a lifetime of memories in that one week. But by the end of it, because you you have a tab for each room you're in, you have a tab. And by the end of it, you've got to pay your tab on the boat. And I think both of us were in the top three and another mate of the most spent on that boat. That just shows you how much was it? I I, I think I think it was about fourteen hundred dollars. No, maybe it might have been a bit more, but around about that fourteen hundred bucks. And basically, which is a lot. Which I'm, is a I'm lot. I'm five foot six, right? And uh, the receipt was as tall as me. It was. Uh, Do you still have that photo, bro? I still have that photo in the archive. Maybe oh. we could share these with our listeners on the on the Instagram page. I would. <laughs> I, would I would love to because it, it's all a part of the story. But yeah, basically. Like, I know it doesn't sound like much, $1,400 for one person for a week of alcohol here in Australia. That's mm. not much. Like, it's still a lot of alcohol. Actually, it's still a lot, to be honest. But drinks are so cheap in Croatia. Like, yeah, their currency, like, I think one of our dollars, you get like a, a hundred of their dollars. I, I, I'm just making up numbers again. Yeah. Anyway. The kroners. Yeah, the kroners. Kroners. Or yeah. kroners it sounds whatever. like a beer. Yeah. It sounds like a beer. But um, anyway, we... We spent a lot of money. We, we spent, spent a lot of money. We spent a lot of money, but we had a lot of fun. And the best thing out of it is we actually got to meet each other. And I think it was just meant to be. We were both from Melbourne. We both connected. We both liked to party. Mm. Things have changed since then, which we will get to. Yep. But it was it was a really good week. And that's that's basically how we met. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, especially now where we, we reflect, you know, of how we met. And you just think at that time, well, you don't know how much this person's going to mean to me or what this is going to evolve to, right? We just thought, you know, a couple of Melbourne boys on a boat, having the time of our lives, partying, just letting loose, getting rowdy as shit. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, so I think that's what we want to capture and, you know, and, and tell our listeners, you know, so we, we obviously met on South Croatia, you know, we obviously had a, bit, a big addiction with drugs and alcohol, um, you know, and then sort of, you know, we sort of want to capture all of that to where we are now. So, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and, and just sort of tell, share my story with everyone. And then we can go over to you, Nate, um, of, you know, what, what, what I got up to after South Croatia, basically. Yes. Until this current day. So we're talking in the last four years, so what's happened. This is not, this years. is not our life story. Cause we'd be we're, here. We'll be here for days. That's right. We'll be out doing Joe Rogan on his <laughs> <Yeah>. episodes. <laughs> we'll be doing 10 hour podcasts. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So for me, I mean, yeah, what, know. what, what happened after South Croatia? I, I know bits of it mm. and I'm sure we'll touch on it, but yeah, I just want you to share with our listeners what actually happened and your story over the last four years and where you come from. So for me, I came back from South Croatia, um, and you know, I was just living this life of, you know, I was, you know, definitely addicted to cocaine. I had a massive cocaine habit. Um, I was selling a lot of it, you know, moving quite a bit every week and that was paying for my own addiction. Right. And then, you know, were you taking 
profits or were you putting it? I was at the start. I was profitable. Okay. And then near the end, I wasn't very profitable at all. I was probably the worst drug dealer you could ever met. Yeah. Um, By the way, we don't condone this. We're, we're just sharing experiences. Yeah, exactly. Of, of our journeys. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I struggled with the cocaine addiction. And, you know, the biggest thing is it got to a point where it was just consuming my life. You know, I would wake up. I, I hated doing it because it would give me anxiety. And I was very depressed. You know, I was in a really bad relationship and she didn't even know I was doing it. And I was doing this daily, right? Oh, really? I was waking up every morning. I would eat breakfast. And then after that, I would have two slugs, one for each nostril. And I would slug them back. And then I would go to work. Oh, really? I didn't didn't even know this. Yeah. So I was was a fully high-functioning, like, drug addict, right? You know, going to high-level meetings off my head. No one knew. And, you know, I just sort of got to this point, sort of like after a year, sort of around the end of sort of 2018, early 2019, um, where I just had enough. You know, I got to a really bad point where, you know, I was owing the wrong people lots of money. um, And then, you know, it was just, I couldn't keep, you know, this lie continuing essentially right and it was just so you were like like no one knew well uh, no some knew. some people i'm sure knew like no close, no one knew no like, one knew like my family my no, girlfriend I, at the time my best mates no one knew no one i knew just you said were doing to them every day. i said to them i got under control like you know i'd party with people you know and then the weekend we were pigs man we were doing 10 plus grams you know like it was just disgusting i was hanging around with the wrong people who i thought were my friends at the time and then you know now you've you get to a point, so it, you know, and you just go, well, they weren't really my friends, you know. And when you go through that, um, you ha- sort of have that wake up, I guess, where you realize that those people that you think are friends, they're not really your friends. They're there, hundred percent. They're there using you, and they're just there for the moment, right? You know, you've you've got something that they want, which was cocaine, obviously, and then <laughs> you know, obviously all the drinking and stuff. But it was just, you know, there would be. The, the parties would start on like a Wednesday or a Thursday and then go through to like Sunday. And then Monday, you've got severe anxiety, depression, you're overthinking things. I didn't like the high. I would get it. I would clench my jaw. I was, anxiety was on edge. Oh, am I doing this? Are there people on me? You know, like. And that's what it does, doesn't it? It cocaine? does. Like yeah. that short term high of that first line mm. is great. Mm. Everything after that. The anxiety kicks in, the the heart, like, and it's not nice. No, it's not. But everyone's chasing that first initial high. Yeah, exactly. And it's fucking expensive. So I think I worked it out to be, um, in one year, I'd put roughly about $126,000 up my nose. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. Right? So, and and you, that's sort of being conservative with the number. Um, but yeah, I was just like, okay, that's a lot, you know. So then I went through this whole uh, journey where... Um, you know, I, I was, I'd owed these, the wrong people money. Uh, I went and loaned some money off a, off a mate, my best mate at the time, um, to pay back these other guys. And then I wanted to pay him back. And then, you know, I basically, the last ounce I got in, of Coke on tech, you know, and then um, I'd smash the whole thing up my nose a week. I was, to, I was like, cool, let's sell it, get back on track. Nah, I just got greedy um, and yeah, fucked it all up. And then, yeah, just started owing the wrong people money. Um, got a loan to to pay off those guys from a mate and then was struggling to pay him back. And then sort of friendships around me started crumbling. Um, and then I was just sort of like left there by myself, you know, and then the relationship I was in was extremely toxic. You know, I told her what I was going through. She had no idea. Um, she was supportive for a while. And then that I just realized that that wasn't for me either. Um, 
So yeah, so it was a it was a really tough lesson, you know, going battling, you know, addiction and actually understanding what anxiety and depression was. You know, I just thought, oh well, this is these are just the effects of drugs, but it's not. It's it, it's a lot more than that. Um, so yeah, I was I was you know battling all of that at once, and then my friendship group was falling around me, and there was only a few key friends that really stuck out. You know. Um, throughout it all and and it just made me really reevaluate and and stop and think you know what do I want out of life what what's my purpose on life I'm just existing I've just always had this title rowdy the party boy you know and there was always been expectations I feel like with that name where it's like I would go to a party and everyone's like come on howdy howdy let's get rowdy like you know and you have to be that person and when in fact you don't but you felt like you had to live up to that exactly person. right yeah. So, you know, it was, it was kind of like, you've lived this life it's for, for a, for a period of time and you're going, oh, well, how long can I keep this up for? You know? And then it sort of got to, to, uh, yeah, like I said, 2018, 19, somewhere around there. And then I was like, oh, had that big, big moment that, you know, and I was just like, all right, cool. I want to do something with myself. You know, I want to be successful. And I always knew I'd. I would be successful. Um, I always had this inner voice in me that's like, you're going to be big one day. You're going to be very successful, you know? And, and then I started to lean into that and I started to really, you know, really think about what matters to me, you know? And then that's when I sort of started, you know, taking control, you know, eating healthy, exercising every day. You know, I used to be very overweight. It was 84 kilos. I think now I'm about 70 kilos. So, you know, it dropped about 14 kilos in the space of like a year or two. Um, what was your big turning point? Like, do you, do you remember exact day that everything just clicked? Not clicked, like you thought, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Like, I know you touched on it, but was there a specific day that you can remember? I think it was just the day when I'd, owed, I'd gotten that loan off my, my best friend at the time to pay back these bad guys. Um, and then I'd let him down and that, that relationship really deteriorated. Um, and then I was just like, yeah, that was a really wake up call. It's like, I'm hurting people around me. But then at the same time, I feel like it's like the universe is going, Hey, these people aren't for you. You're, you're deemed for something better than that. You know, you're destined for something better than that. So I think that was the moment where I was just like, what, what the fuck am I doing with my life? You know, what do I want to be? And then, you know, I'd done a lot of work and I started, you know, going to see a psychologist, you know, and, and, and really exploring myself. You know, I, I broke up, uh, broke up with my, my ex-girlfriend at the time. Um, and then, yeah. And then moved in with a friend and, um, yeah. And then I just, I, I started a new job, um, and started getting things on track. You know, I was still drinking every now and then and, doing cocaine every now and then. Um, but it just wasn't as bad, right? I, ever since I, you know, had realized that I had the cocaine addiction, I, I'd done this thing called a hundred day challenge with a bunch of friends. Um, friends, yeah, I remember, yeah. you remember? Yeah. And I had friends in, in Melbourne, friends in, uh, Perth and New Zealand, um, all sort of come together and, and I was, you know, I was very vulnerable on, on my social media. People hadn't seen that side of me. Right. So, you know, I, I, I said, Hey guys, you know, I've, this is what I'm doing. Struggled with addiction. And I feel like when you're very vulnerable on time online, that was my first time doing it. 
I actually, people are like, I thought, you know, everyone's going to fucking hate me. I've lived this life, said I'm, you know, got all this under control. I'm the worst <laughs> drug dealer in Melbourne. <laughs> you know, I've got a massive cocaine habit. And, and it was crazy to see the support, you know, and, and people reach out that were on the same level. And I was just like, wow, this is, this is amazing, you know? And, and then the boys, you know, in, in Perth and, and Melbourne and, and New Zealand who came out and said, bro, this, you, you know, this, we can relate to this so much. Um, we struggled the same. So then we started doing this hundred day challenge and I shared this day by day, um, on my Instagram of what I was doing, you know, and, and everything like that. And this was sort of like in the middle of COVID or COVID had just sort of started. So, you know, we would, we're just sort of coming into, you know, COVID and the pandemic and, um, and yeah, it was a really cool learning experience. I learned a lot about myself as an extrovert, you know, life of the party, I thrive off social settings and then to go into COVID, you know, living by myself, um, you know, and then you, it's just you on you. And it's like pulling back layers on the onion and you start to do some really deep work on who you are as a person, what you've done and, you know, and, and start to really dive deep, um, and, and be honest and raw with yourself, you know, and just, I think that was a really powerful moment, you know, and just going to see a psychologist and being open and honest with everyone going, yeah, I go and see a psychologist. And I think and it was, did that help that help massively. It helped massively. Yeah. I think, you know, there's that real stigma here um in australia where you know people are scared to say that they go see a psychologist um and i think it's probably one of the best things you could ever do 100 percent. and i've told all my friends you know you as as well and and others just just go see him best conversation you can have you know you go into a room for me i go into a room with my psychologist and sit there you know chat about things i can tell them anything no judgment and then i leave that door I leave all my problems in there and I just walk out relieved and I'm just like, cool, you know, and then we'll, we'll touch base on it next time. It's like a weight off your shoulders. And I want to touch just quickly on your, you saying that it was the best thing that you did being vulnerable mm. and I'll, I'll get to my stuff too, but I'll, I can relate because it is people mm. are scared. People are scared because they think it, like they have shame or guilt for things that has happened in the past, but that doesn't make you who you are. Mm. And I think, like it's not easy being vulnerable. It's scary that taking that leap, but once you do it, it's like this, like it's a metaphor. It's like all this weight comes off your shoulders. You're carrying this metaphoric weight on your shoulders all these years. And once you can let that go, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's amazing. I think the real, the, the big realization with it all is you just don't know how much shit you're carrying around with you, Hundred you know, stuff from childhood um, which, you know, which, and, and just stuff throughout life that you didn't think affected you so much. And I think when you're open and honest and all with yourself being vulnerable, um, you're just like, you're putting everything out there and you're going, okay, well, you know, I need to make peace with this. This is really annoying me. And then you're going, fuck, where, why am I still thinking about this? This is a, a minute event that happened years ago. Why am I still worried about it? And you go, okay, cool. Well, this is something you need to do work on. Um, and I think just the coolest thing was, you know, just taking that leap of faith and, and just, and putting it online and sharing that with, with, with my audience on my friends and, and audience on, on Instagram, it was, it was just really beautiful. Everyone mm -hmm. could relate and everyone just supported me. And I was just like, 
It's amazing. And I had a few people who were just, you know, made fun of me, but I was just like, okay, well, I just removed them from my life because of course. they weren't on the same journey that I'm going to. And they were just negative, you know, block out that negativity. You're always going to have those people. You, you can't, are. you can't please everybody. Even if you did everything correct, everything above board, everything like there's someone that's going to dislike you and that's just the way it is. So the sooner like everybody realizes that we can't please everybody because trying to please people will just leave you upset and depressed and that because you can't please everybody, you know, mm. I wanted to touch on just a story about your cocaine addiction. Well, mm. what happened from it? And yeah, I'd just like you to share. Didn't you blow out your eardrum or something, something happened to your ear canal yeah. through uh, how much cocaine you were doing. Yeah. So I had, um, my right ear, um, I had ba basically done so much cocaine that, um, it had basically teared my septum in my nose and it had gone backed up so far into my ear canal and it started actually eating away at my, um, eardrum. So wow. you've got three eardrums in your ear, right? My right ear. And, um, I'd always had these ear infections and I'm just like, Oh, I'd never go away. Went to doctor multiple times. I like take some drops. I went and seen a surgeon last year, uh, in October and had surgery on the, on the ear. And basically he'd said, you, you'd done so much cocaine that all this stuff was up there and it eaten away at my, my ear, um, my, uh, eardrum and my hearing bones. So in my right, right ear, I've probably got about 20% hearing. Even after the operation. What's that, mate? No. <laughs> <laughs> Speak up, dude. Even uh, after the operation, you only have 20%. Yeah, so I've got to get another operation, um, which I think will be next year, where they basically, they leave it for a year, uh, make sure nothing grows back, and then they put a prosthesis in, which is like a metal eardrum. So I'm just trying to go for that Terminator kind of look. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, guys, if you, if you want to go for the Terminator look... Um, <laughs> no, nah, we should not not endorse doing no, okay. definitely um, not. There's a lot of like, and this is the ugly thing, and a, a lot of people see it, but they continue to do it, and they get stuck in it, and they don't know how to get out. But there's so many effects that come out of it. Like, who would have thought? Like, you blowing your, if if it's eating away at your eardrum mm. or ink, like imagine what it's doing to the, your insides. Yeah, oh. like on top of that. Anxiety, depression, everything, like mental health. Mm. But, and then it's what's it doing inside your body. And you might not see the effects of what it's doing inside your body two years later. And I'll, you hear people every day say, let's live for today. I don't care about tomorrow. Well, that's all well and good. But I don't know about you. I, no, I definitely know that <laughs> we want to live a long time. And we, Absolutely. that's the journey we're on now. So, yeah, that's a, it was an interesting story. I think it's just so, so socially accepted these days. Um, and a lot of people do it and they don't want to do it. They do it just because it's cool or to numb themselves or numb themselves, you know, and, or, or, you know, and, and there's a, there's a range of different factors. And I just think there's a lot of people out there that just aren't at that stage where they're open and honest with themselves and actually realize what it's doing to you, you know, mentally and physically, you know, like. Until the doctor put the camera up my nose and he showed me and then compared it to a healthy nose, I was like, oh my God. And you know, there's some horrible ingredients, cement, acid, all sorts of shit. That goes gasoline, into yeah. Gasoline. You know, we don't know the recipe exactly. But I think, you know, there's, there's, there's some really nasty shit. And I just think, you know, every, every party you go to these days is a plate lying around, you know, someone's got a bag somewhere, you know, and it just... And you get to a point. It's everywhere. It's, it's everywhere. It's 
It's you insane. Know, even, even at high level people, you know, everyone does it. Oh yeah, I've got I've got stories of real famous people, which I'll be sharing. Not the people because yeah. I don't want to name people, but yeah, I've seen it, so I it's know. It's just what you mind mean. blowing yeah. how how ingrained in the culture it is, especially you know us being young thirty year olds, um, and in even the young twenties, it's just everywhere. Um, it's fucking expensive, dude. 300, 350. A lot of people are living outside their means, anyways. You know, and then they have to go spend three hundred dollars out of their way. You know, it's like. Dude, if you invested that, you know, if I, I know. knew what I knew now or what we knew now and we'd done that years ago, I mean, we'd be multimillionaires. Yes. But Everything uh, in hindsight's great, well, isn't Exactly. It? Absolutely. But I mean, yeah. So, um, yeah. So just getting back to sort of, you know, where we're at. Um, yeah. So we, I, 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 we, we tend to digress a bit. <laughs> we do digress a bit. Um, so, yeah. So I'd, I'd just started that 100 days. I went through that journey, came out of it. Um, and basically it was a new person. Um, I'd, yeah, I'd overcome a lot of demons. Um, and I just realized, you know, my main goal in life is to be the best version of myself. You know, I quit, a, I quit my smoking habit back then. I was smoking when I was on cocaine, I, dude, I was smoking a packet a day. Really? It was like, I know how much you smoke. Cause on sale, Croatia, you would always say dart, mate, lighter, well, dart. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, me and, our, and, and a couple of other Fingers boys. Fingers turned yellow. Uh, the river that stays. I know. Wow. I know. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I just realized there was more to life. Um, whether, you know, and, and just realized the damage I was doing to my body, you know, mentally and physically. And then, you know, quitting smoking, getting healthy, eating healthy, you know, so the hundred day challenge was no alcohol, no drugs, correct? No alcohol, no, no drugs. Yes. That was the the main, um, yeah, the main sort of goal behind it was no alcohol, no drugs, um, and yeah, and and we all got through it. I mean, it was it was amazing. You know, a bunch of guys coming together, backing each other, being vulnerable with each other, sharing it. You know, on 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 Instagram, um, and then just inspiring a lot of people to just realize, Hey, fuck, I'm doing the same, you know, like I want to get on board and, and people are realizing like, fuck, you know, you can actually turn it around. And I think that's what I love doing through my socials is, is just inspiring others. I mean, well, we both do. Right. And it's just showing people that, you know, there's actually more to life. Like hey, partying is good fun. Don't get me wrong. I lived the life of it Yeah. for like, you know, 20 years, maybe or yeah. whatever. Um, so, you know, it, it was definitely good fun, but it's, there's more to life. And I think, you know, um, after doing that hundred days, you know, and just evolving, um, you know, into that person, I was just like, okay, cool. And then, you know, I remember you, I spoke to you and you told me about this guy who's, you know, does the, his life in like stages. And then I took that, you know, and then I evolved from, you know, James Rowdy to James Rowdy 2.0. And that's how I looked at myself, this other version, this better version, you know, someone who's... Because we're ever evolving. Absolutely. Every day. If you're not, yeah, if, you, if you're not climbing, you're sliding. If you're not growing, you're dying. Yeah, I love that. It's, it's good. Yeah. Um, and uh, absolutely. I mean, and we can all relate to that, right? It's all about growth. You know, and I was just like, I, I started seeing a lot of success. And, and, and when I say success, I'm talking about, I measure success in mental health, physical health, relationships. Obviously, money is a factor, um, but just like, you know, going through all of that and just going, okay, cool, where do I want to be? You know, and then I'd come out of that and I was at a corporate job, um, 
and you know that wasn't with the lockdown and stuff i was really struggling with my mental health um so i started an, an e-commerce business um and i just with COVID, i just realized how exposed we are um and i just thought you know what someone's Someone's got my destiny and in the palm of their hands. They could fire me tomorrow, right? You know, I was the best performing account manager. Um, and I'd climbed to that corporate ladder and then I was, I'd got there and, and I was just like, well, what do I really want out of life? Like, I'm already the best, right? <laughs> so, I mean, like, what's the next step? And I spoke to a manager and he's like, you could get at my level. And I was like, man, managing people, it's probably one of my weaknesses. I don't have time to put up with other people's shit, yeah. you know? And then it was just, yeah, it was a lot of mental stress. And then I was like, okay, what do I really want out of life? I was like, I, I want to work for myself. Um, I also had a good friend, um, Ollie, who was uh, living in Melbourne at the time. He's from Bali. Me and him known each other for years. He's from my hometown, Christchurch, New Zealand. Um, and he was stuck here. He um, tore his knee. Uh, he's working in construction and, you know, we're both over here and he's like man I'm, I'm trying to get back home to bali because he's been living in bali for the past sort of five six years he got stuck in melbourne and then um you know me and him sort of linked up and and you know i started this e-commerce business and i was drop shipping all these different things right and I, i'd started one brand with a with a friend and didn't really do too well and i started doing massage guns and all these different <laughs> other you know hot little topic uh hot little trending um products and um it started going well and then um, Ollie's like, man, I'm, I'm going to Bali. And I was like, how are you flying to Bali during a pandemic? And he's like, he told me how, to, how he's doing it. And I just reevaluated re everything. And I was like, look, you know, I was, I was about to buy a dog. Um, I was going to call it Taco, The Adventures of Rowdy at Taco, a little, a little, <laughs> serious, yeah, a little toy caboodle. <laughs> and I'd put down a, a uh, deposit for it and the dog had a miscarriage. And I was just like, ah, oh, wasn't meant to be. So, um, I was like, okay, let's park that idea for a while. You know, <laughs> I just stick to the, the Tamagotchi for now. <laughs> Taco reality. Uh, oh, yeah. And, um, good. yeah, I had this vision. I was going to start an Instagram page, you know, it was going to be sick. Me and a little taco rocking around, um, eating tacos, you know, <laughs> like, but yeah. And, and basically, yeah. And then I was like, you know what? I've got nothing to lose. That wasn't meant for me. Um, universe had something better for me. So, um, yeah, I moved to Bali during a pandemic, uh, last year in like October. Yeah. Wow. Um, and yeah, just really stepped out of my comfort zone. Um, I met some amazing people over there. Um, you know, it was pretty normal over there for the time being when I was over there, you know, I got there, the clubs and that were, were, were as normal. Um, everything was, was, was awesome. Um, and you know, there was, we had a good crew there, you know, and, and everyone else was, we were playing touch, you know, we would still go out and party a lot, you know, um, there's still a lot of that going on, but it was just drinking, you know, it's, it's hard to get drugs over there. The only drug you can get is pretty much like ketamine, but you know, we weren't really doing too much of that. I would, I was like just drinking every now and then, but not, but not excessively like I, I used to be. And then, yeah. And then I was over there for a bit and, um, I sort of done the eat, pray, love, if you will. <laughs> um, and just, yeah, really decided you know, really spent some time by myself and decided what I wanted to achieve out of life. It's dangerous, isn't it? When you're left by yourself, what yeah. your mind can come up with. That's it. And it was just like, you know what? I had this great routine. You know, I was living on $15 a day, dude. Yeah, Bali's already cheap. cheap. Yeah. It was cheaper there when I was over there. And I was like, wow, I was living in this million dollar villa. I was paying 450 bucks a week. No, a month, sorry. 
um, and that had cleaners, you know, fr fresh sheets, like live with these legends, um, a guy from Estonia, um, Monica from, uh, uh, where was Monica from? Oh, I forgot where. Gibraltar. <laughs> Yeah, some, some, she was European. No. Uh, sorry, Monica, I've forgotten where you're yeah. from. Um, but amazing girl. And then Jay, this French guy. Um, and it was just a really cool dynamic. Us four, you know, complete strangers. We got along really, really well. And we had a really good time living together. It was really good fun. Um, but it was just awesome. I met some really amazing, beautiful people over there. You know, met a lot of entrepreneurs and sort of they set me on, you know, being surrounded by like-minded people and, and, you know, getting using that information to, you know, project me to where I am now was really, really cool. Um, but, um, yeah, it was, it was really, really good. And then sort of the e-commerce businesses weren't going like as good. They were going well. And then I, I ran into a few issues. Um, and then I was sort of like, you know, reevaluated everything and that realized that. So you went over to Bali to work on your e-commerce e-commerce thing and just not get away like just start something fresh and no distraction basically correct yeah absolutely and i think it was just it was a real growth stage you know going over there and just realizing what do i want out of life you know i, I started that's my own million, business that's a million dollar question isn't it, it is. bro? It's, everyone has a what what do I want to do? Where does, where can I see my life going? Everybody has. And a, it's changing, yeah. you know, and you are a split decision, split decision away from living a completely different life. That's yeah. how powerful that is. You know, I'd gone from climbing the corporate ladder to being the I best. you were going to say climbing Mount Everest. I was like, Fuck, that's, 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 <laughs> that's what that's I want to do. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I want to do. Not just once, twice. too. <laughs> back to back. Um, no, but, you know, climbing the corporate ladder, you know, and, and being the best and then just going, you know what, this doesn't fill my cup up. This yeah. isn't for me. I'm destined for something better. So starting my own business, working for myself, and I was only working for a couple of hours, you know, drop shipping's it's quite a lucrative business. And if you can do it well, you can really only work a couple of hours. And then, um, but it had its challenges too, you know, it's not as good as what people make it out to be. Um, but you can do, definitely get some great returns. But then I started a skincare brand. And then, yeah, had a few troubles with that. Um, and did you start it when you were in Bali? Yes, I started it when I was in Bali. Um, and I was like calling it, you know, and it was, yeah, it, it was, a, it's like anything. It's like yeah. up and down, up, up and down. And, yeah. But yeah, back to what I was saying, you know, I was reevaluated everything, you know, I was running low on cash and I sort of like, I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to move home. Um, and, you know, I wanted to move back to Melbourne. Um, and then I just... I started hearing about manifestation. Um, you know, these girls that I was sort of dating in Bali, they were like really eat, pray, love kind of, you know, in the universe, crystals, you know, all that chakras, sort of chakras, all about it. Yeah. Um, and that sort of opened my eyes with the whole universe. And I started manifesting and, and I was like, you know what, when I get back, I'm going to make something of myself. Um, I'm going to, you know, go back and work, work for someone. So um, did you, did you come back, uh, because of so I'd, I'd sort of i'd come back for a range of reasons one long, running low on cash um and then two i felt like i'd achieved what i wanted to achieve there in bali and yeah. bali um and i just you know i missed friends and family and it's basically just going back to a comfort zone yeah. i was very uncomfortable and i got comfortable in bali i learned a lot about myself took a lot away from it grew as a person um and then realized okay cool uh you know, 
um, now it's to the next chapter of my life. And that is moving back to Melbourne, making something of myself, growing these businesses. Um, and yeah, and just... The, you well, know, you, you, came, you came back to Melbourne, didn't you? And, and tell everyone what you did in, in hotel quarantine. Yeah, so so came back from from uh, Bali, um, change man, yeah. um, and then I had to fly to Sydney to do the hotel quarantine, um, and yeah, it was really really intense coming back, especially into Australia. Um, so Melbourne weren't accepting flights; had just gone into their other another lockdown. So I flew into Sydney, um, and I was staying at the the Darling Harbour. I think it was the Marriott. So you know, I was going into a, a two week quarantine um, in Sydney. Uh, there was no open windows, um, and it was just me and by myself in a room for two weeks. And I was like, "Hmm, um, I'm going to do something, you know." And and I, I wanted to share the whole journey of that as well, you know, on my socials and and show people, you know, quarantine is what you've made it. I've had mates go through it, and they've gone into two week benders, and they've come out, you know, broken, overweight, you know, just really. Really, really yeah. bad and you know, masked all their insecurities and everything like that. Where me, I was like, you know, fit and healthy, stuck to a diet, stuck to daily routines and showed everyone what I was doing every day. And I had different routines for different days, you know, I'd schedule playing time, all sorts of stuff in there. Um, but yeah, I decided to, um, I met this girl in Bali quickly and she had always wanted to run a marathon, right? And then I was like, cool. I met her at the gym. And then one day I decided to run half marathon. First time I've done it on a treadmill. Wow. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. On a treadmill. It, it had chafe for days. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> but I, um, yeah, so I, I, I done that. And then um, I was like. It's I, a mental game running, isn't it? It's a it's mental hard. game. It's a mental game. Your body's like, man, we can't do you it. And it's like, yeah. you can't. So then I was like, you know what? I'm going to do a marathon in hotel quarantine. Yeah, so wow. from my door to the other side of the wall, it was um, about nine meters. Um, so it worked out to be, um, I, I, there was an ego in me that was like, we're going to do the 50K. And that's just my pure ego, competitiveness, you know, going. Which is ultra marathon, correct? Which is ultra marathon. And I didn't know that at the time, right? So it, I put on social media, I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. I, and then I reached out to um, Beyond Blue. Shout out to the uh, Beyond Blue, amazing people. <laughs> and um, I was like, hey, I want to raise some funds, you know, because, you know, I'm big on mental health and all that sort of stuff. And, and they go, it's amazing. Um, I think we managed to raise about $1,600, you know. Um, yeah, I my, donated too. You did donate. And, and shout out to all the other beautiful people that donated. Because what um, you did was amazing. Like, let's be thanks, real. Man. Like, the, the feat of running a marathon, number one, is hard. Mm -hmm. But you actually ran an ultra in a hotel room with like going back and forth, you know, that's more mental than actually just running on a road because you're going back and forth. You know how repetitive that is. And then on top of that, you did it for a good cause. So mm. kudos to you, bro. Thanks, man. Um, and yeah, and it was like, I was really proud of myself. You know, it was, it was cool. You know, it was definitely challenging physically and mentally. Um, but I just wanted to share with anyone, you can do anything you put your mind to. The only limits you set are the limits you set yourself, right? 100%. And, and that's it. You know, I'm, I'm not the skinniest, fittest dude. You know, I think I was probably about, you know, 18, 20% body fat back then, you know, and I was still doing it. Yeah. You know, and there's people that go to the gym every day and they're going, no, I can't do that. And it's like, yeah, you can. You can. There's people overweight who can do it, you yeah. know? And, 
yeah and it was just it was it was an amazing experience and I, and I filmed it all and I had some friends that joined me along the way um for support which is really awesome I had one guy in, in, in particular my one of my best mates Hamish shout out to him um he uh stacked with uh, sat with me for the full six and a half hours wow. um just running back and forth um so yeah so I'd done that in hotel quarantine came out and um and then yeah I'd ma I was manifesting you know, moving into um, Australia 108 here in Melbourne, which is the tallest town in the Southern Hemisphere, right? And I'd always wanted to live there since it was being in construction. And I was like, cool, I'm going to get a, 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 a an apartment there. And then um, a good friend of mine over in Perth, he was like, um, mate, I know a, a, a mate of mine who's got a room for rent. And then, um, yeah, and then I, I gave him a call. That's uh, my housemate, Duncan. I was like, hey, mate, didn't meet... I've never met him before. He's like, yeah, man, it's all yours. Um, so I left hotel quarantine. I come back. I meet Duncan for about half an hour. Just met him. And he goes, cool, place is yours. I'm off to Gold Coast for like five days, bro. And I'm like, all good, man. <laughs> and um, yeah, and I think, you know, sort of fast forward to here we are now. I came back and, and I started work um, back with one of my old bosses who um, I love. We've had a great relationship over the years. I used to work for, for him about six, seven years ago. Um, and you know, he's got a contracting division. So, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a BDM for that now. Um, I also still have, um, at my company next level, which is a digital agency. And now, you know, working on building another company, which is the Rowdyverse. Yes. Um, there's a lot of hype about that at the moment. So they'll be launching soon. Basically it's a web three community, uh, where we'll be discussing, um, you know, everything web three, and we will be discussing a lot of web three and crypto stuff in future podcasts as well. Correct. So, yeah, I think, you know, as, as I came back for, was it just as I left to Bali, we connected yeah, so and you started sharing your journey. Um, and we, we both just sort of connected on this beautiful, you know, this beautiful discussion at this cafe and, and you, you told me what you'd been through and you'd changed man and, you know, battle drug addiction and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and I think that's where we just re really reconnected and just gone, hey, this, we're both, you know, both on the same journey. It was at the same the, time too. We, we, it we was. Like similar paths. Like yeah. obviously we had our each individual journey, but similar sort of paths where we we're heading. And that's why we've connected. That's why we decided it was actually your idea, uh, Rowdy, to for this podcast, but I, I did tell you, I remember saying to you that yeah, that first time when we caught up for ages at that cafe, I said to you, I can see us doing something. I just didn't know what. So you talk about manifestation. I planted that seed. <laughs> that seed was planted ages ago. Well, the seed was planted in, in South Croatia, really, when we first met and things have evolved from there. But yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of my goals was this year was to start this podcast. I didn't know what it was going to look like. Um, and, you know, I just wanted to... Uh, I wanted to a bunch of degenerates talking. Well, used to be degenerates <laughs> talking, talking shit back and forth. Um, and I think, you know, I just didn't know what it was going to look like. I ha always had people comment, you know, after the journey that's in my journey, they're going, you've got to do a life coach or start a podcast or something. And I was like, yeah, you know, and then I set myself that goal this year and I was like, and here we are, you know, and I reached out to you and I was like, I want to do this with you. Um, I think it'd be really special. I love what you're doing. Um, and, and your journey, and, you know, I think this is going to be really great for our audience. So do you just want to sort of let's rewind on your journey? Cause we've heard enough about me. Um, and just tell everyone about, so you'd left South Croatia. You had an entertainment company, was it? Berserk? Yes, correct. Do you want to tell everyone so, about that? Yeah. So I was in the process 
of starting an entertainment company with a friend that I went to school with. Well, we hadn't connected for years. He came with to me with this idea and I was like, I'm sold. I'm in. I want to be a part of it. Who doesn't want to be like entertainment? And I'll, I'll get into what it actually was soon. But like I was sold on the idea. And when I got back from Sal Croatia, I was living in the Docklands at the time. I just sold my house previously. I owned a house in Pakenham, sold it because, you know, we get told as kids, get a house, get a good paying job. You had do it all, this, didn't you? Do, the house, do, yeah, do this, do the house, that. The house, the missus, yeah, the kid. Had, the kid, yeah. I had everything. Did you have a dog? Yes, I did. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You had it all. Yeah, you ha- I, had, I had it all. The to, Australian dream. The Australian, yeah, Exactly. And what I realized is it didn't make me happy. So I wanted more. Like you said, bro, mm. I wanted more out of my life. And I always knew I was going to do something. I always had that drive. I always had that drive to step outside the box and do something different. Even when people are going, you're crazy. You've got a good paying job. Like I was earning like five, up to 5K a week. Wow. Like, and it being an electrician, I'm a qualified electrician. I don't like saying that I am now, but that, well, I'm still a qualified electrician, but it's not what I do. And I just realized, yeah, basically I just realized I wasn't happy. That dream wasn't my dream. It was somebody else's dream, not Mm -hmm. my dream. So the company idea came about, got back from Sal Croatia, was living in the Docklands. And as you know, starting any company from scratch is hard, let alone an entertainment company. So basically what we were doing were we were promoters. So we're promoting concerts and and stuff like that. See, a lot of people think that these artists, singers, rappers, anybody, artists, come out here and because they want to. No, promoters pay for them to come out here. So exactly. literally, it's it's for one, it's expensive to start. You need to have money behind you to start. And luckily, my my other business partner had a other successful company that pretty much inve- like was the main investor mm. to this, to our entertainment company. But you got to pay for uh, stage production. you got to pay for flights. you got to pay for their whole crew. you got to pay for their performance. you got to pay for literally everything. They're right, like all the, anything that they want here, hotels, flights, um, production, everything. you got to pay for it all. And then you make your money off ticket sales. But it's risky because if you don't get, Enough people through the door. Enough ticket sales. Enough ticket sales. You're to gonna cover everything. Yeah, you're gonna make the profit. Exactly. And you're gonna lose money. And the thing is, there's already massive companies that have been around for for years, like Frontier Touring. Um, massive Mike, here in Australia. Yeah, Michael Gadinsky, he's passed away. Oh, since, name yeah. dropping. No, no, no I'm, just, <laughs> I'm joking. I, <laughs> I got more name drops. Oh, right, cool. But like they're they've been around for ages. So being a small fish, like uh, as an entertainment company coming into the space, mm. like it was super hard, but it was the fact that we had the determination to make it what it was like. And, and the experiences along the way were crazy. So we started. So hang on a second. Who yeah. was the first event like that you booked? Yeah. So, so the first, the, this is cra- even more crazy. The first event that we booked wasn't when Drake toured here. Yeah, I remember. In 2017. This. So this was still 2017. When Drake toured Australia, mm. uh, I think it was through Live Nation or Frontier Touring. I don't, I can't remember which one now. But we actually acquired an after party at Crown. So and it cost us a hundred k just for the after party. Just 
like because he just was to host the just event to ho- just to host the event to what, put- is that was that for drake or just to host with crown no that was for drake that was oh, the fee. Wow. yeah the fee for drake was a we had to pay 100k just for him to do an appearance and he was meant to get on the mic like and just say what's up but he never <laughs> back did to back he never played back to back yeah bro <laughs> he he never did we lost money on that straight away we didn't let it get us down mm. we continued on and because my mate had a business over in america already and he lived actually on hollywood boulevard so i remember you going to la quite a lot yeah i did you, the the stuff that you were posting on social media i was just like damn this kid is living <laughs> the dream man like partying with you know alices going to these wild la parties but isn't that funny social media like what people perceive of what's happening, people probably thought, yeah, I was, I'm not going to lie. I, I was living a good lifestyle. Was I making shitloads of money? No, at the time. But so everything, so, social media is a lie. Mm. You can make it out, whatever it is. But yeah, I was going back and forth uh, between LA because we had contacts and stuff like that. After the first show, the Drake show, we actually, we had a business party in New Zealand and we, had a show uh, with DJ Jazzy Jeff. If anyone doesn't know who he is, he was from he him and Will Smith, like the Fresh Prince. So he was Will Smith's best friend on the Fresh Prince of Bel Air yeah. in West Philadelphia, yeah. born and raised. Everybody knows that. Everybody you know? knows that. So we did a DJ set in in New Zealand for him, and like again, like in New Zealand, as you know, because you're you're from New Zealand. Chip. So we did, is it called the hungy? What, uh, when you touch noses, uh, the, yeah, that's the, a, the that's traditional a, that's a hongi. Hongi, yeah, yeah. the traditional Maori greeting. So I got to do that with Jazzy Jeff. After Jazzy Jeff, we actually did, have you heard, you've heard of R&B Friday yeah, Jam? Yeah, was, was that big on the Fox? Is yeah, it? big on the Fox. So yeah. they do the massive party every year. They haven't done it for a while, but yep. we did the after party. So we had in New Zealand again, we had... Um, Usher, Little John, Salt and Pepper, uh, Genuine, Fat Man Scoop. Oh, Fat Man Scoop. Yeah, <laughs> Scoop the band. yeah, yeah, bro. So I was man, big names. Yeah, I was big part. Names. I was on stage, like, cause we we put it together. Yeah, so I was obviously backstage. I was on the stage at at one stage with Usher and Little John. I got a photo with Little John. I, I talked to him. Actually, it's I got a funny story. Salt and Pepper. I forget which one, but she tried picking me up that night. No. Salt. Yeah, they're in their fifties now, I think. But yeah, mate, that's a that's a great fifty minute claim to fame. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Coulda, shoulda, woulda. Yeah, didn't. I, I know. <laughs> uh, well, I think she was. I did. Like it was just a weird vibe. Anyway, so. So all this was happening so quick with like in the space of year of starting this company or like we'd had some big shows. Then we, then we did the tiger show. So we actually brought out tiger for a concert in New Zealand mm. Ended up costing us like, I think all up 350 K or 400 K to put just, oh, yeah. so his performance was, I, I forget now, but everything including flights his crew because you got to pay for their whole crew they bring they bring like 12 15 people with them they got security guards yeah yeah so and i did the traditional greeting with tiger uh touching nose with him yeah hongies (laughs) hongie a hongie bro yeah hongie yeah i did that with him and it was just the whole experience was crazy Mm. then we had a business partner in in la which was our lawyer we had we actually had an office in la like it was like 15k a month. Like I'm, I know I'm throwing around all these numbers, mm. 
the money, like I said, came from my other business partner who had a, a, other successful companies. So mm. like starting this stuff is not easy, but we had, had the office in America and I was flying back and forth. Then we met some cool people um, in America or in LA mm. and we started this record label. So, which is crazy. Tell we, us, what was it called? Yeah, it was called Hit Camp Records. Hit Camp. So our business partner and, and producer of our record label had won a Grammy. Mm. He was a part of Murder, Inc. He was the lead, or one of two, Seven was the other one. His name, the our business partner was Ghost Case, and you can look him up. Mm. So I'm not just dropping names. Like, this this stuff legit <laughs> legit happened. This This all happened. So... Yeah, we started the, the, well, actually, yeah, he was a part of Murder, Inc. Oh, okay. Uh, and Murder, Inc. Had, was owned by Irv Gotti. He started it, which is a massive in the rap scene, like Irv Gotti. But a part of Murder, Inc. was Ja Rule, Ashanti, Jennifer Lopez, even Tupac did some stuff back in the day. So my business partner had kicked it with all that because he produced their music. He'd won a Grammy for, I think it was Always On Time by Ja Rule and Ashanti. Oh, great song. Great song. Oh, I can't sing. I was going to sing, bro, and I can't sing. I just real. I didn't just realize, but yeah. Yeah. So that was that was crazy that we actually got that connection, started this business. So our involvement in that business it was a three three companies in this deal. One one side of the one. One of the companies was the manager. One of the companies was Ghost and his partner Palmer, which were the music guys. And then there was us and we were the investors into the project. So that's how we got in to be a part of it. We signed this this kid, Kid Nali. You heard his music. He was yeah. super, super. I loved him, man. I still love him. He's yeah, great. Super talented. But the thing what happened was when they're in business, as you know, when you get involved with people and especially like other people and different companies, when there's like three companies, even two companies involved and trying to all align our views and stuff. It just didn't work out. Like we had, he, we, and, 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 and when you said didn't work out as a, you meaning like as a business sense, or do you mean for the artist? Yeah. For the, uh, well, I feel sorry for the artist because he was so talented. He was promised all these things. We had all these connections. We were talking, we produced, so we produced his first album, which I was, which I was there, there for, uh, in the studio. I flew over, which is super cool to be, in a studio and I've got another story. Like, so when we're recording, Cardi B was in the next studio. Oh yes. But the queen. Yeah. I didn't say hi. We just crossed paths. So I'm not going to say I spoke to her and party with her. Cause that didn't happen, but she was literally in the next studio and this studio is really famous in LA. So it costs a bit of money to produce all this stuff, yeah, but, but the whole experience was like, yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was super crazy, but things just didn't work out. Then COVID hit. And everything turned to crap with the entertainment business. We were stuck over here. They were over in America. There was miscommunication. The whole label got pulled because the the manager, I could go on about, like, that's a whole nother story. But yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway, things, things didn't work out. Yeah. Things didn't work out, but I've got some crazy experiences and stories from just being in LA. Sounds like it, man. That's, like I was on stage. I think we all want to know what sort of happens in that world. You oh, know, I, the A-listers and I, I know, and, and I got to artists. and I got to experience a little taste of it. I wouldn't say a massive taste, but I was on the stage with Marshmallow at EDC. Wow. Yeah, I know. I've got a video of it. Um, 
uh, I went to this massive mansion. You know, in movies, the same in the movies, and they've got like these massive American parties are going on like late night because everything at two like a- big mansion yeah parties? big mansion yeah, parties. Yeah, so yeah. everything at two a.m. in LA shuts down. Clubs, everything, alcohol, everything. They got a two a.m. lockout. Yep. So there's after parties. We went to this big mansion through uh, Ghost. It was his friends because uh, he's got heaps of connections being in that scene, being a producer for like 20 years. Mm. Went to this massive, <laughs> massive mansion. And like the movies, we rolled up big gates at the front, security guards. We had to tick our names off going in. We go in and it turns out the guy that owned the house, do you know Absolute Vodka, yeah? Yeah, the brand. Yep. The brand. So in a, I think in America, it's called Elixir. Alexa or E-L-R. E-L-I-X-E-R. Elixir. So yeah. he was the... He was the the owner of the house. He was throwing the party. It was this massive. He, he was the owner of Absolute Vodka. Yeah, Absolute Vodka. This this was his wow. this was his mansion. So that we were at. Jeez, this is a high level people, man. Yeah, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Crazy dude. The guy was like off his head. Like he, he was like a sixty year old dude. He was rocking around with his trumpet, playing this trumpet all night, like coked off his head, like legit. There was like fucking plates like mirrors everywhere there was people fucking there was fucking like they had their own bar set up like with you you just walk got anything you want and literally a movie a movie literally a movie and yeah the the stories go on and on and i i yeah i could go on on but things didn't work out with that whole entertainment thing it was the experiences were amazing and you can't take that back while i I was setting up this entertainment company. I've got heaps of stories. Yeah. I, I got involved with someone. I met someone long story short. It was an investment in some banking deal. I flew to Malaysia and flew to Thailand, met these people from South Africa. So it wasn't like I sent money. I bet I, I used the winning, the, the profits from selling my house. It was about hundred K from my house. Mm. I was going to put it into the entertainment business, but I actually took a risk. I was meant to make mil- a, a couple of million dollars. And this is the thing, so the get rich, the get rich quick schemes don't work. But I actually met the people overseas. I paid for their flights from South Africa. I paid for their hotels. I paid for, I even sent money back to their family because they were struggling or like they needed money or something. The The weirdest thing about all this was... I went to the bank. I dropped. Uh, I went to the bank. They had these meetings with these high-profile bankers. Like everything, there was. I've got emails still, like emails from. Okay, high, so hang on a second. Yeah. Let's. So, what was the scam? Well, the, it was a scam. Yeah, but who? But who scams people for a holiday and? And go like meet some. I don't know things still Welcome don't. Welcome to the world. I know. <laughs> Welcome to Earth. I know. So <laughs> things don't don't really add up. Anyway, I lost all that money, mm. like, and from losing all that money, and at this time I was um, heavily addicted to painkillers, oxycontin, right. yep, in particular, because I tore my ACL in 2016. So how long was that addiction and how, what did it look like? Yeah. So it was a six year addiction. Wow. Yeah. And I'm talking about like, if anyone's had, if anyone's been in hospital and had a operation and they give you diamorphine, diamorphine is 
pure heroin. So you're getting pure heroin in hospitals. It's it's legal heroin. It's like they call Oxycontin hillbilly heroin. Mm. It's just legal, right? I was smashing, it got to a point I was smashing like 250 milligrams a night of Oxycontin, which is a death wish. I overdosed a couple of times, never went to hospital for it, but I threw up and everything. And it's a vicious cycle because it's like, you don't get the the come down from like, say, cocaine or anything like that. You you get, it makes you feel happy. And I was doing it. I realized why I was doing it. It was to numb my past. And I won't go into that, but I've got a traumatic past. Mm. And I was numbing my past. Mm. And yeah, six long years. So I struggled with this while creating a business. I was, like you said, like you said in your story, I was a functioning Oxycontin addict, right? But I wasn't getting them from the street. I wasn't getting them from... um yeah, from off off some dealer on the street. My doctor was prescribing them to me. He actually got a morphine permit for me. And yeah, I put it on. I said if things were way worse than what they were. Mm. But the fact that he shouldn't have been given them to I told him I was addicted. Wow. I told him multiple times and he tried to wean me off. But it didn't work. So I think, um, you know, when when you've got an addiction... It's crazy the lies you will tell, not just others, but yourself also, and just whatever you can to get that fix, you know? 100%, bro. It's, it's like, crazy. It, it is crazy. And every drug is different. Like, I know you talked about alcohol. I've never been, like, I'm a binge drinker. When I yeah. drink alcohol, I drink to get drunk. I don't drink during the week mm-hmm. uh, or anything like that. My drug of choice, and I've done, I've had my stint. Like, and I've partied and I've done recreational drugs. Mm. I, that's a whole nother story again. But, uh, yeah, my drug of choice, I say drug of yep. choice, was painkillers, Oxycontin. And I was getting them. And at the, at the time, I was in denial because I was like, how bad can they be? If my doctor's giving them to me, if this is medicine, painkillers. It's not as bad. Like, this is the justification I was doing in my head. So what, what what effects was it having? Like, were you taking this in the morning? Were you taking this just at night? Yeah, good question. So just at night. Mm. But I should have been taking... No, I say should have been. Should have in the morning to level me out because it's this vicious cycle. You, you don't sleep properly on it. Like, you have this broken sleep and then you're super tired the next day. You, you barely can stay awake. And so I was only taking it at night and it was to shut off mm. when I got home, had them shut off from the world, like numb, numb myself. Mm. Like anybody is addicted to anything. So you'd uh, take these and, and you'd just fall asleep? No. Well, see, this is where the high, and you've seen the, the movie, The Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Mm. So, and they talk about quaaludes and stuff like yeah. that. And if you fight it or Xanax, even though it's different, Oxycontin are part of the opioid family, whereas Xanax and stuff is part of the benzo family mm. but so if you fight the initial because a lot of people will take endone for endones a lesser lesser version of oxycontin mm. a lot of people will take it and fall asleep because that's what it does it, it like it relaxes you and it kills the uh the pain receptors in your body and it makes you happy it releases it's kind of like ecstasy it releases without the chemical effect mm. it releases all your serotonin 
and you just fucking feel happy. I'm not going to lie. I'm not promoting it, and it's horrible because it's a vicious cycle. Well, it's basically, like you said, it's heroin, it's, right? Yeah. The come down. Yeah. I remember speaking to you, and you're telling me the come downs and, and the withdrawal symptoms that you were going through. Oh, yeah. It's, it's crazy. So at that- So let's talk about that. Do you want to just, sorry, just continue on where you're going. I just want you to, to tell our listeners what that actually looks like and feels like. Yeah, okay. So it was last year. Mm. Um, I'll just finish with the the, yeah. scam, the scamming story. So yes, long story. We've, we've digressed. Yeah, I know. So okay. long, long story short, I got scammed. I lost all my money. Put me in this downward spiral of depression and anxiety. I literally had to move out with my ex girlfriend at the time. Um, in we, I moved from Docklands. I was living there. I owed my mate money for rent there. I couldn't. I had no job. I went on Centrelink. Like I was still doing the entertainment shit, and I went on Centrelink. Yeah, you know, because wow. I had to. Su- I had to survive at the time because we weren't have, getting income. You only get paid when things go through. My mm-hmm. business partner eventually did start paying me like through his other company and stuff like that. So that was all right. But yeah, I, this downward spiral, I, like, I went bankrupt, I depression, anxiety, like, wow. and, and it was horrible. And rock it, bottom. Rock bottom, pretty much. Wow. Rock And all the time trying to be a father to my son because I would have him every second weekend Mm. and I was struggling and I was doing painkillers while I had him, like, which is a lot of people will think that it fucking is stupid, but I was, I say, I wasn't, I wouldn't do them during the day and I'd very rarely do them at night because I had a problem. Mm. I'd do them when I had him to fall asleep, but it's for anything could have happened. So I was fucking stupid, you know? And I like, I won't say I regret what I did because I'm a massive believer of life happens for you, not to you. Tony Robbins says that. Mm. And everything has happened this way to where I am now. Otherwise I wouldn't be here right now. So the whole withdrawal thing. Yeah. Last year during COVID hit, broke up with my missus for the second time. Uh, Not my kid's mum, another missus uh, broke up with her for the second time. Turn it like and realize that I need to. I need to stop. I, I was like, "What the fuck am I doing with my life?" Mm. Like, I was like, "What is going on?" So, and I tried to wean off them before, didn't work. Then I would tried cold turkey, and I'm gonna. I'm about to gonna. I. I can't even describe the brutalness of coming off oxycontin or aka hillbilly heroin. Mm the the withdrawals the come down i'm talking about like i had insomnia and it doesn't stop like for two weeks straight insomnia i I remember you calling me and and telling me when you were going through it yeah cold sweats like depression like i'm talking about depression that you've never experienced before yeah because i mean you were numbing yourself right so you were masking all these insecurities all these issues that you had yeah and then they all come to the surface as well while you're coming down off this high yeah correct bro and it was brutal i would not like and that's why i wouldn't never go back to them there's other reasons too but Mm. the and the funny thing not the funny thing i didn't only do it once I quit for six months, right? And this was late last year. Quit for six months, had an operation uh, and decided to get them again, like, but for pain. And I was telling myself, I'm just going to use them for pain. 
that started the whole cycle again. And then uh, earlier this year, I broke up with my missus again because we got back together. It was like this on and off thing for four years. Crazy. Yeah. So I not only went through it once, I went through this withdrawal s- step twice because I went through the whole self-development stuff when I came off uh, Oxycontin last yeah. year. And the same time as you did self-development, I did courses. I did, I wanted to become a life coach. I'm a transformational coach now. Yep. So I wanted to do that. I literally dived deep into that. And then I had the relapse and started the whole thing again. I stopped doing all my good healthy habits, brought in bad habits again, started smoking, started, started doing oxys again and wound up back at the same spot. And I love this. I love this quote from Albert Einstein and he says, insanity, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And I love that because it, I love it. It is totally true. And we all do it. We do the same thing, expecting a different result. And I knew this at the time, but I fell into the trap again, went through the second withdrawal, cleaned myself up again. And the last six months has been amazing. Like I created a course. Um, I, I stopped doing the electrical work because I actually went back to electrical work after the entertainment stuff. And you started your own contracting yeah, arm. Yeah, doing... yeah. Started our own electrical business. Yep. Contracting for another company. Then I realized it wasn't my passion. I only went back to it because I needed the money and I had the qualification because I had no money. So that's why I went back to it. Then figured I found my true passion last year, relapsed, went back into it this year, did more, dived deeper, did more things and created my own course to help people who have struggled with painkillers to reclaim their life, Mm. which is amazing because I just want to give back to people. And I think this is what this whole podcast is about, is about sharing value to our listeners and helping people out there realize that what they're experiencing they're not alone where we've gone through that heaps of people have gone through that. And I think that's the key thing here that you're not alone to mm-hmm. our listeners. Like, so yeah, I I've done all this stuff and this is where I'm at today. Like there's a lot more stuff in there over the last four years, but basically that's, that's the gist of my last four or four years since sale Croatia until this point today. And we're both, doing separate things but both on this same journey and absolutely loving it bro so hopefully you like my stories guys well they're not well they're stories but they're just just on that i think you know the reason why you know just touching base back on what you were saying is you know this whole project is to provide as much valuable value to people as possible right our stories are very relatable you know um i think and that's what's the beautiful thing about this podcast. People can listen to this and they're going to go, fuck, you know, I'm feeling this way or I've got, you know, I'm doing the same thing or, you know, they can notice, they'll notice things about themselves. Right. And, and, you know, that's why in this podcast, we're going to cover a range of different topics. Um, you know, we're going to have guests on and, and do a bunch of different things, which, but it's just, like you said, providing as much value to people, um, it's like, I think that's probably one of the best things you can do as a human being is just serve others 
you know, and, and the journeys that we're on and where we're, the projection that we're on is really, really cool. And I just think, you know, if, if you can show people that you can turn your life around. Correct. You know, it doesn't matter where you are and how bad you think it, it is. You're a split decision away from changing your life. Correct. And life. even even being a bridge uh, for people out there that might be currently going through similar sort of stuff to us, but not in it too deep at the moment. Because what we're going to be sharing will be that bridge. So we'll be sharing valuable information to help you guys out there to walk you through certain things in life and your struggles and that and not go through the deep, dark valley that we both did. Mm. I'm sure there's a few of you out there that have your own stories and experiences and you've gone through this same stuff. But if, if anyone that is like at the start of this, while we hope to let this podcast be a bridge to not go through the same stuff as us and, and listen along. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mate, crazy story. Um, I love Which it. one? Which one? Uh, bro? Like the whole thing. I just love it. How, you know, we, we've both been on this journey and, and I still remember, you know, back when we were at that coffee shop and, and, you know, we were both so calm and peaceful and we were just very open and honest with each other. And I think a lot of people don't have that in friendships these days, you know, like, um, Correct, the friendships bro. you and the, the relationship you and I've got and just the, the honesty and just like, you know, ring each other up and like, man, I'm struggling with anxiety or feeling like shit today or whatever it is. It can be anything. There's no judgment. There's no, I'm better than you. You're better than me. We're completely open, honest and raw with each other. It's called, a, think, bro, it's called a bro ship, bro. Exactly. <laughs> I like it. Bro ship. So, um, yeah, but I mean, a lot of people don't have that in friendship these days. They, a lot of people are surrounded by people that aren't their friends. You know, and Correct. and they just they think, oh yeah, you know, this is this is my crew, and it's like, well, dive a bit deeper, and what's actually involved in that relationship? You know, is it just based off drugs and alcohol and partying, or are these people actually bringing value into your life? You know, everything in life is um, transactional, right? So relationships have to be transactional. Yeah, it's I'm providing value to you. You're providing value to me. Exactly. But people go into relationships thinking what they can get out of it exactly. instead of realizing what they can give to that relationship. I actually saw this good thing on Instagram yesterday or this video or this um, reel. And it was this old guy. I don't know who it was, but he's like, show me your, show me your friends. Show Dan, Dan Painter? Yeah. Yes. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Yeah. And it's true, right? It is. And, you know, I went through a... A, a you know a recent sort of thing um where you know i had to get rid of a bunch of people and then you know surrounded myself with like-minded people and you know great positive relationships impactful relationships and then now my circle's so small you've you've seen it yeah and it's like but, so is mine bro but you know it's how powerful that is and the projection and and where we're pushing each other and growing it's insane correct and i'm like wow you know I, I, that's why they say that's why they say bro that you're the average of the five closest people to you so if you're hanging around bums if you're hanging around people that are doing the same stuff over and over again you're going to be the average of that person now, i'm not saying go out there and cut all these friends out you can still talk to them but absolutely love them from a distance yeah you know and i think you know it's not go out and, and be nasty to people it's just you know find out what what it is you want out of life um, are the people that you're surrounded with at this time, you know, going to help you get there? No. I mean, 
well, um, yes, no. You asked you you asked that those questions yourself, right? Um, but yeah, and and I think you know if they align with your goals, then I mean you keep those people close to you and 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 hold on to them. But if they don't, I mean it's just going, hey, it's just setting up boundaries and and putting putting you know some boundaries in place and saying, hey, that's cool. I'm gonna love this person from a distance. Um, and, and, you know, and that's where it's at hundred percent, bro. It, it's like anything, you know, you do the reps and it compounds over time. That's the same with friendships. The more effort you put into those relationships and friendships is they grow and blossom. Power of compounding is a beautiful thing. hundred percent. People are lazy. This is the, this is the problem. This is the problem with society. Mm. Everybody's lazy. Everybody wants a free ride. Everybody waits and goes, I'll feel this way when I have example, this much money or in this relationship, I'll mm. be happy when this happens. No, you can be happy right this second. Absolutely. You, you're in control of your emotions. So, but to get back to that, the laziness thing, people are lazy and they don't want to do the work, but we were gifted this life. Like, so, and everybody else wants, like, you can't expect to just sit back and things will work out in the hope that they will. You've got to go out there and it's, it's hard work. As you know, it is. it's not easy. It's not, but I like to say there's always two types of hard, but it's going to be hard if you don't do anything and sit back and be lazy in that because you're going to be, end up depressed and you're not going to get what you want out of your life or it's hard doing the things that is necessary in the short term to benefit long term, you know? Absolutely. I, I know which hard I'll choose every day. Dude. I'll choose the hard today to benefit in the future, but people choose the easy option now to eventually, I don't know, like, yeah, they, it's, it's going to be, it's easy for them today because it's easy to be lazy. Let's be real. It's being comfortable. But, yeah. You know? But, but over time, it's going to be hard for them because they're going to be in this, this spiral, downward spiral, because and and the longer they let it go, the harder it is to get out of, as we both know. Yeah, and, and it's those bad habits. It's, you know, like I was just saying before, the power of compounding. If you're doing the same bad habit, smoking, drinking, doing drugs, whatever, every single day, <laughs> every single day, you're just going to be in the same spot. If you start doing good habits, you know, exercising, eating healthy, drinking lots of water, you know, um, working on your business, working on your goals, whatever it may be. If you just do the reps every single day, you might not see results, you know, in a week, two weeks, a month, a couple of months, whatever, but they will happen. It's Correct. the power of compounding. Correct. Mate, what a, an amazing first episode. I know. Um, love it, bro. Love, love it. you too. Love you too, brother. Um, and guys, so we hope you got a lot of value out of our first ever episode. Uh, we just want to thank you all so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to the first episode of The Value Project. We are very grateful and excited to continue to share this podcast with you all. To keep up to date with The Value Project, you can follow us on Instagram at The Value Project Podcast, one word. All links, including our personal accounts, will be in the show notes. Uh, thanks, guys, and hope to see you on the next episode. Peace, guys.